The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. The show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Welcome in to our Friday edition of the Leach Report from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studios here in Lexington as the Wildcats get set to take on number 11 Tennessee tomorrow night. We'll talk about that today with the voice of the Vols, Bob Kessley, uh, with Mike DeCourcy from Sporting News. We'll also visit with Coach Ortmeyer and talk about the Super Bowl and a little bit about uh, draft prospects for some of the Wildcats. So that's what's Coming up on our show on this Super Bowl weekend, the uh, Wildcat news of the day starts with some bad news as the U.K. women lost last night to a 1-7, now 2-7 Ole Miss team, 72-60. to uh, Worst loss of the season, obviously, for 15th-ranked Kentucky. So maybe a good thing that they have a week off before they uh, have to face the Tennessee Lady Vols in Rupp Arena. Um, so... Kentucky could uh, maybe use a little bit of a of a reboot after a loss like this. They struggled making shots, thirty two percent from the field. Also got out rebounded, forty eight to thirty four. Ryan Howard was one of the few bright spots for Kentucky with twenty six points. The UK men take on a Tennessee team that is ranked eleventh, but won't be next week since they lost to Ole Miss earlier this week. Balls have lost three of their last five. And they have, uh, like Kentucky, been struggling offensively. They have scored under 70 points in four of their last five games. Uh, they are 10th in SEC play in three-point shooting, uh, 11th in two-point field goal percentage, and 12th in free throw percentage. Now, what do they do well? They're number one in the nation in defensive efficiency. And here's a stat that's not a good matchup for this Kentucky team. Tennessee is number one in the league in the rate at which it forces turnovers. So, tells you what to watch for tomorrow night. How many times, uh, how, how well can Kentucky do at limiting turnovers from the uh, number's been 17 lately. I think five of the last six games they've turned it over 17 or more times. And you just can't consistently do that and win games, especially when you have trouble uh, scoring like Kentucky does. You know, if you... Um, have a potent offense, you can give away some possessions and, and still win some games. But when it's a struggle to score for Kentucky, they've got to maximize their opportunities. So we'll see if they can find a way to do that and get a win. Uh, we talked with Cal on the radio show last night that um, we'll talk a little bit about this. and uh, I, I do tend to agree with him that if they could, could win one of these games, uh, late games where it's close and make the plays to win instead of finding a way to lose them. If you can do that once and then do that twice, uh, maybe it starts to string together. But you have to actually break through and do it, and nobody's going to you know, give it to you. I did see this at uh, the end of the 2011 season where uh, Kentucky was struggling to win close games. Now, they had a better overall record at this point than this team does, but um, they just couldn't ever win the close game. And then once they finally did win a couple late in the season, then they won them all until they got to the Final Four. So uh, we'll see if they can find a way to turn it around. 
Calipari uh, also talked about uh, a couple of other things, said he might bring or uh, seemed to suggest he might consider bringing Olivier Starr off the bench to help him uh, cut down on fouls. He consistently gets into foul trouble. And uh, when he fouled out the other night, I thought that was big because he uh, had just started to find a, a nice groove. He had uh, scored two buckets and assisted on another. So he was a guy that was causing some problems for Mizzou, and then Kentucky lost him. Uh, Cal, I asked him about uh, Terrence Clark uh, and how he looked in practice yesterday, and uh, Cal said he figured Tennessee would like to know the answer to that question, so he'd just keep that to himself. So we'll wait till uh, Saturday and find out the answer on that one if, if Terrence is able to come back. And then uh, there's another interesting question from a caller asking Cal what he has learned from this season. And uh, I'll just it's, it was an interesting answer. Uh, I thought uh, gave you a lot of insight into what Cal's thinking. Uh, we'll talk about that when Mike DeCourcy joins us and uh, get his his take on it as well. Links to the stories that we talk about each day can be found on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. Our show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. And when we come right back, we'll chat with Bob Kessling of the Tennessee Radio Network here on the Leach Report. You're tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and The Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the cats. To the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline we go. And welcome into the program. The uh, Well, you, you guys can debate this. Either the second or the first most uh, influential resident of uh, product of Dayton, Ohio. It's either Bob Kessling or Mike Pratt. <laughs> I think Pratt's got a little bit up on me a little bit. He's got a few more tropes. I'm sure he'll he'll make that point the next time we get to if we ever get to see oh, you guys oh, again. I know it. Gosh, that's it's been strange, hadn't Tom, not being able to go to the games and uh, not seeing all our friends, and it, it just it's been a and of course it's tough on us. I'm sure it's tough on the players too, not being able to play in front of full arenas and just the excitement of college basketball. So it's been a different season for sure. Yeah, we were uh, – I actually mentioned this to Cal last night that, you know, if you're a Kentucky player, um, you know, and when things aren't going well, you know, you, you not surprisingly, you hear about it. Uh, social media and, mm-hmm. and all that's uh, even, you know, players have always heard about it, but they just get it uh, more directly now. So you, you're always going to get that when things aren't going well. That's just comes with the territory. But you don't get the plus side of it. You don't get the uh, the no. warm embrace of the Rupp Arena, you know, 20,000 uh, when you're out there playing. Yeah, same and, way for the and same thing with yeah, same thing with Tennessee. I remember in the the Alabama game, um, you know, Tennessee really needed a lift from the crowd and it just wasn't there to lift you and then Alabama got rolling and and they went on to win that game in, in Knoxville. So, you know, it's just we're not used to this. We're used to going to places where, you know, sometimes the team also will feed on the road off the mm-hmm. crowd, too. It'll kind of motivate them to, you know, play harder and those type things. So it's just uh, I, I, we should be fortunate with, and thankful we're playing games, but it's just it's just not the same as it has been in the past. What's your all set up for road games? What are you guys doing? We have a... Uh, Really, a fabulous uh, broadcast facility, a studio across the street from the arena. And so we have a huge uh, video board that we sit in front of. And then oh, we wow. have, uh, you know, Bert Bertelkamp and I are, are um, 
you know, socially distanced, and we have our engineer there, and then we get the feed from crowd feed from the uh, opposing facility, and then we you know take a direct feed from ESPN, and and really, Tom, it, it, it's like you're sitting about six rows up in the in the stands and uh, watching the game. So we're fortunate, you know, we're not, we don't have to uh, watch it off a little TV monitor or something like that. We it, we you know you know because a lot of times uh, you know especially for teams you're not familiar with trying to figure out numbers and things like that sometimes can be tough but we don't really have that problem because uh we can see the guys and it's a it's a it's a big video board so we're very fortunate here let's talk a little bit about this uh matchup and and the vols um seemingly like kentucky have struggled offensively of late what's been their problem uh, struggling against Ole Miss, that might be a compliment. Um, uh, they went 12 and a half minutes, believe it or not, without a field goal in the second half. And they closed out the game one for 14 from the field. Uh, they had an 11 point lead and then turned it over, couldn't hit shots. I mean, and I'm talking, they, they missed layups, they missed three pointers, they missed a lot of things. And, uh, when this team has, Turn the ball over, and they've had a couple of losses, the Alabama loss, the Florida loss. They turned the ball over 18 times. Uh, it's hard to do that and, and, and win when you don't have a, a really a, a knockdown score to, to compensate for that. And that's kind of been the, the, the thing about Tennessee. They've, they've played the two freshmen, and they're starting now, you know, Jaden Springer and Keon Johnson, and they're terrific freshmen. I mean, they're they know how to play the game. They play at both ends of the floor. They, they're really good on defense. They have an understanding. But so far, they haven't become big scores. You know, sometimes you get these five stars. You expect them to come in and put up 15 to 20 points a game. Well, that's that's not their game. They don't, you know, they're both averaging around, I guess, eight or nine points a game. Um, so uh, they last year, they as Kentucky found out up in Lexington, uh, Tennessee was going to John Fulkerson a lot, and he really was the, the main source inside. But what made him more effective uh, last year is the fact they had Jordan Bowden and Santiago Viscovi outside to keep you honest. And if you double-teamed Fulkerson, then they would dump it out, and those guys would knock down threes. And so there was kind of a balanced attack. This year, there's not that consistent outside shooter. Victor Bailey has struggled shooting the ball. Um, Springer and Keon Johnson aren't quite there yet, and they've been guarding Viscovi. So it's been hard to get consistent outside looks uh, for Tennessee, and now they're putting a lot more emphasis on stopping Fulkerson. So uh, it, it's at times it's been a struggle. Now, when Tennessee's out and running and playing great defense and they've got in transition and they're moving the ball and they're attacking the basket and, those, and not turning the ball over, this is a really good basketball team, but um, I, I think like a lot of teams this year, Tom, there's just been these up and down moments where you kind of, you know, Tennessee looked great against Kansas. I mean, they they you couldn't have played a better game. They didn't turn the ball over. They shared the ball. They made shots, knocked down three pointers. They they did a lot of things, and then they turn around against Ole Miss and score fifty points. So it's kind of head scratcher. But I think a lot of teams out there are. Uh, in that same mode this year, it's just, uh, and I, I talked with Coach Barnes the other night on uh, on our show. Is it focus? Is it um, just attention to detail? Is it not having that crowd to motivate you or inspire you? And 
And, uh, you know, you can't really put your finger on it, but the inconsistencies of some of these basketball teams, and especially Tennessee, has been uh, – when you when you look at how Tennessee started this season, to think now they'd be 5-4 and four in the conference, I don't think many people would have believed that at the start of the season. Yeah, it's just been uh, – and, and I guess under strange circumstances, we uh, we shouldn't be surprised that we get some, some strange results, but uh, they seem to happen yeah. – you know, every uh, every week, it was the other night, uh, what was it like uh, four? I think it was the night Kentucky played. There were like four top team, top twenty teams that all went down to uh, unranked teams just on uh, on that night. Bob, I appreciate the time. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, we'll uh, maybe we'll get lucky enough to get approved to go to the for everybody to be at the SEC tournament, and we can uh, catch up there. But um, thank you for the time. Oh, I appreciate you, Tom. I'll uh, talk to you. Have a good call tomorrow night. Thanks, you too. That's Bob Kessling, radio voice of the Tennessee Vols. We'll uh, come back and visit with Coach Ortmeyer in just a moment. This is the Leach Report Radio Network. Look for the Leach Report on Facebook. Show updates, contests, and other cool stuff. Check it out today. Welcome back into our Friday show. Here on the Leach Report Radio Network, we are served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. They're in Hamburg and in Palomar. Still have their heated patio seating that's up and running. And uh, there's an expanded patio that they put together uh, out at their uh, Hamburg location. And they have a new online ordering ordering system if you want to use uh, curbside pickup. But uh, they're so uh, thankful for all of you uh, continuing to patronize Wild Eggs during these tough times. Uh, we want to. Uh, we're hoping to catch up with Coach Ortmeyer. Don't have any luck at the moment, so uh, if not, we'll get him back on another time. Because I want to get his take on uh, the Kentucky guys at the Senior Bowl, Drake Jackson and Max Duffy. And from everything I've read, both showed out very well. Uh, Drake uh, had a shoulder injury actually that he suffered. I think early in the game, uh, Senior Bowl game last weekend, but was able to play through it and. With Drake, everything I've heard is that he is a a question mark because he's a little undersized for a center. But he is such a good technician and so uh, smart that I think uh, he hopefully gets drafted. But if not, uh, he ends up in the right spot because I think he could be a uh, guy could have a long NFL career. And then uh, Coach Ortmeier's always been confident that Max Duffy would be able to make it as a punter. Max has even uh, been skeptical because he's uh, not, you know, as the Australian style of punting. But when uh, the reports I saw from the Senior Bowl, uh, I think he was uh, won an award at some point during the week, uh, and uh, he was did quite w- was able to do quite well with the conventional style of punting that is still in force in the National Football League. So hopefully uh, it will go well for Max. A uh, couple of uh, one of the note on UK football wide receiver Akeem Hayes has entered the transfer portal. I don't think that one came as a big surprise to anybody. Uh, Akeem got into the doghouse this uh, past season uh, with uh, some social media stuff. Worked his way back into where he got on the field uh, later in the year, so he was able to uh, regain some of the trust from Coach Stoops, but. Um, it just hadn't uh, worked out here for Akeem, so he's going to try his luck somewhere else. So we uh, we wish him well as he does that. And uh, spring practice should be getting going here, I would think, in about a month. Um, they were able to, before the uh, 
pandemic closed things down last March, they were able to, to get a few practices in because they tend to start uh, early and, and space out the practices. So they usually start around the first part of uh, March. So they should be less than a, a month away. I've not seen a date on when spring practice is going to start because there will be a lot of uh, interest, I think, leading up to um, a spring game with the new offense and, and Liam Cohen and fans would get a chance to go out to Kroger field and, and see what that looks like and see what the quarterbacks look like. Um, Joey Gatewood and, uh, Bo Allen. And if, uh, one gains a significant upper hand in the quarterback battle in the spring and, you know, you throw in, uh, I think Kaya Sharon's going to be able to come in and work with them in spring ball as well. I believe he was an early enrollee. This day in Wildcat history, uh, 1986, Kentucky bounced back from a loss to North Carolina State to beat Vanderbilt 73-65. James Blackman went for 22. And a happy birthday to a former Wildcat, Ramel Bradley. Uh, one of the great smiles in Kentucky basketball history for Ramel, And just a really tough competitor. You think of a, you know, a New York City guard. That was Ramel Bradley in terms of that competitive fire that he played the game with. Um, Super Bowl weekend coming up. Uh, I don't have a, a strong opinion. Uh, Shannon, uh, do you have uh, you have strongly rooting for one team or the other? No, now that my Packers are out, maybe I will pull for the Chiefs just because the Bucks knocked the Packers out. You know, eh, that's understandable. Be a little spiteful, maybe. But other than that, I really don't have any strong opinions either. So that would mean maybe you're somewhat forgiving the Chiefs for knocking the Packers out of uh, for the- last year. <laughs> no, yeah. I don't guess it was last year, but they they put a beating down on the Packers a couple of years ago. So. Yeah, so uh, yeah, they, they were. Was it Super Bowl one or two that the Chiefs and Pack, uh, Chiefs and Packers played? I think that was the very first one. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm. Um, uh, uh, seen Tom Brady win enough Super Bowls, so I will root for uh, Kansas City, but uh, don't have a strong strong feeling. Just uh, will kick back and uh, enjoy the game. Uh, I was a Chiefs fan uh, back in when they won their other Super Bowl prior to last year in 1970, uh, and uh, they, this time of year we always get those uh, NFL films highlight packages and i watched the one on the the chiefs win over the vikings in the the 1970s it's just so different now isn't it when you see those no it's complete uh, yeah you look and see how much the game has changed and some yeah. of those hits the guys take man you just grimace at how tough those shots were that aren't allowed anymore and for a good good reason and look how the just the the bodies of the athletes are so much different yeah. uh, now than yeah. than they were then we're halfway home on the leech report mike Corsi when we come right back this is where the Big Blue Nation gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio. From the Clark's Pop and Shop Studio, it is the second half of our Leach Report show. And Mike DeCourcy joins us on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. You can read him at SportingNews.com. See them on uh, Fox Sports College Basketball coverage, uh, doing their brackets, and also you can see them on the Big Ten Network. Uh, Mike, let's start with uh, with this. John Calipari has acknowledged that you know, he's having a, a you know tough time uh, and struggling with how this season is playing out for his team. I'm quite sure that Tom Izzo's not having a whole lot of fun. Uh, same for Mike Shashevsky. Last year, Roy Williams, Carolina, for, uh, finished up 14 and 19. Uh, these are schools that. Uh, 
perennially uh, contend for and make it to Final Fours. Uh, is it just uh, something that's because there's so much more roster turnover than ever that uh, and more coming with the transfer rule that you think is just going to happen more regularly for uh, uh, more turmoil and for, for the Blue Blood programs? You know, I think there's some of that, uh, but I, I do think it's more compartmentalized than um, than a, a broader picture. I I look at it, and but if if this year, if last year continued as normal, uh, and and this year had begun as normal, I don't know whether these teams would all be in the same place as they are now. I, I mean, I look at at, at Kentucky and and. A year ago, they finished the season as SEC regular season champions by, I believe, a three-game margin. I mean, that's pretty significant in a major conference and one that was not not believed to be having a terrible year or something like that. I mean, it was viewed as a pretty solid SEC, and, and they, they won the league easily. Now, they didn't win the last game easily, but they did win it. And I thought that, that they were on a good track, and then... Uh, and then the pandemic hits, and so they don't get the opportunity to see what they're capable of. Uh, Duke doesn't get the opportunity to see what they're capable of. Michigan State had a Final Four-type team, and all of that goes away for various reasons. Uh, in Kentucky's case, uh, more guys left than probably should have. In Duke's case, more guys left than probably should have. In Michigan State's case, it was the natural scheme of things, they recruited a young man named Rocket Watts that they thought was capable of taking over for Cassius Winston, and Rocket hasn't been a comfortable point guard. So I, I think that that the difficulty of being a youth-based team, and if you're recruiting at the top of the charts, there's a good chance you're going to be in that neighborhood. You, you, you could be like the, you know, uh, the high-rise that are, that's there and not going anywhere like uh, Duke and Kentucky, or you could be one that sort of wanders in and out of that neighborhood, like like Kansas or Carolina or someone like that that might that gets a few, but that it's not really built on that. Uh, but if that's if that's something that you've relied upon, uh, it, it does cause you some roster problems. And I think that that's you know I, I, one of, one of the things that I've noticed about Duke and Kentucky over the past two three years is that they're not just losing John Wall and Anthony Davis and Michael Kidd-Gilchrist and, and players that have, have proven themselves are known to be elite draft picks. They're losing players like E.J. Montgomery, who I, I, I was talking to a friend this week who looked it up and said he's playing in Lithuania. I mean, why? That's, there's this, you know, Isaiah Bristow, you go back to Isaiah, there's this belief that if I'm not that guy, like right now, I'm going to believe I'm that guy, even if I'm not. And it's happened to Duke as well. They've lost players. They had a player taken, I think, 56th in the draft who played one year. Uh, I mean, that says a lot right there. Uh, Gary, uh, Gary Trent, uh, back in 2018, left and was a second-round pick. They've lost a lot of those guys, as Kentucky has lately. There seems to be this belief that if I go to Duke or Kentucky, I'm done in a year and you know two at most, even if the results don't say that I'm ready to do that. 
Hey, yeah, Mike Pratt uses the phrase, I think I may have shared this with you before, family, friends, and fools. That's who they're listening to <laughs> yes. too often. Uh, I always yes. think, you know, a player like EJ is like, okay, if you're not happy at Kentucky, instead of going pro, just go somewhere else and play uh, and right. keep your, your college career going. Don't leave one level of basketball until you have a game that's ready for you to be able to succeed at the next level that you're trying to get to. Yeah, I don't I, I don't really understand where that you know, where that develops. And, you know, I know that, that John sells you on the idea that we'll get you ready. And, and, and the, the proof is in the, is in the contracts that they've all received. It, it, it's, it's clear that it does work. Their program does work, but it doesn't work for everybody at the same pace. It somewhat matters what you bring into it and what you put into it. And John Wall is going to be ready. There's no question about that. Uh, but Isaiah Briscoe wasn't after two years, and 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 he would have been better off. I, I think Isaiah, based on his the level and the nature of his talent, I think Isaiah was a four year player, and he could have been he could have been a four year player at Kentucky. I don't think anybody would have been unhappy with that. He hard, worked hard, he guarded people. It would have been a really fine player. But there's this idea that if I'm going to Kentucky, I have to leave in in a year or less, and I I, I think that's. You know, that's a disappointment because you look at guys like Emmanuel and you look at guys like P.J. Washington, and those guys are having tremendous success in the NBA. They're not superstars, but they're having tremendous success. The kind that, you know, you know when I say tremendous success, because if you're playing in the NBA and you're succeeding in the NBA, even if you're not, when I use the word excelling, I mean like Kevin Durant excels and and. LeBron James excels and Anthony Davis excels. If you're not excelling in the NBA, that doesn't mean you still can't make a ton of money. For a I, long time. PJ, yeah, exactly. And so why why abandon that development course just because, well, my, you know, my time is up here. If, if I'm not ready in two years, i got to go. And I can tell you right now that if E.J. Montgomery were a Kentucky Wildcat right now, it'd be a different year. I, for both him and for the Wildcats, I'm not saying that they automatically go from five and ten to ten and five or whatever, but they'd be better. If you're the coach and you have a season that goes sour for you, uh, you could, uh, and especially in this year, given you know the, the circumstances of a you know once a century pandemic, you could look at it and just look at it as a one off, and um, we're going to be fine getting back on our normal track next year or you can look at it and say okay are there some things that this uh that were maybe uh, that i needed to look at changing and this just accelerated the the uh the, the need and then you try to uh, adapt to what you think uh, you need to change and on the cal's radio show last night had a caller right. asked him what he had uh, learned from this season to this point and he talked about you know the, the importance of their lead up to the season and uh, how we've come to understand you know that's they always you know thought there was value in it but uh, it's served to underscore uh, you know just how it's more important even than they thought and the other thing he, he talked about, which was uh, interesting, was about shooting. And he said, you know, shooting is a bigger deal than ever. But the interesting phrase, and this this is where it'll, uh, for a coach like Cal, I think it'll be um, in his mind where, where he ends up on this spectrum, said, how much defense are you willing to give up? Um, right. You know, and, and look at a guy, and I'll use Ashton Higgins as an example, who clearly uh, was uh, not a uh, 
great, even uh, good outside shooter, but a tremendous defender. And, uh, you know, those kinds of players have served Cal well for a long time. But uh, do you think uh, he needs to slash will change the way he looks at uh, that kind of situation? You know, I think that I, he's one of the things that has been bothering me about the way this season has been discussed, not obviously on the Leach Report, but in in other venues, uh, that as if John has never had a shooter. Uh, I, I've seen, I saw one person wrote that he runs an antiquated offense, and I'm like, well, Tyler Hero played in that antiquated offense. He's doing okay, and Emmanuel Quickly's doing okay, and Malik Monk's doing okay, and those guys could all make shots. So it's not like he's never had a shooter, but he did allow himself to get into a position this season without that as a as a essential quality of his team. And I, I think that one of the things he has to look at is that, it, it, I think B.J. Boston is an example of this, is that you look at someone and you and you look at the qualities they bring, and, and B.J.'s got great length and he's got you know he's he's very, he's a very uh, dynamic player, and so he should be a great defender. And so he projects that player into being a great defender. And I think a lot of scouts did that. And he hasn't defended well. I, mean, I think it, he's improved as the years gone on. But there were times when, even with all that length, it, a guy just had to look at him. You know, look look to the right, and then there there goes BJ, and and now the left lane's open. Uh, so it, it's take it takes time with some of those players for them to translate that skill that that or that athleticism into defensive ability he's been really successful john has in turning that in in most years turning that into success but i do think he has to look at it in, in to the extent of if i can get you know a guy to shoot 40 45% from 3 and and just listen to me maybe i i don't have to get a 69 guy uh, who has that length, and I can be just as successful, if not more so. I think that's something that he has to think about uh, because that shooting ability is really important. It changes the game. And if you look at the, the really successful teams in this particular season or in recent seasons, uh, no one has not had shooting as an essential component. I mean, Virginia, the last the reigning, still reigning NCAA champion, Kyle Guy, was a great shooter. Uh, they had they, DeAndre Hunter made a, a three pointer that changed the title game. Uh, you go back before that, and you see uh, shooters on on that Villanova team all around. I mean, they played five shooters, and that was a big reason why they were so difficult to play against. So I, I, I do think that it, it is important that that he understands that that it's not necessarily a zero sum game that you can still have guys who are good to defenders or very good defenders who can make shots. And that has, I, I think that has to be when you go to look at your, your wings and, and maybe your power forward as well, that has to be one of the first things you look at, whether that's something that they can do. Chat with Mike DeCourcy, and we'll continue after this time out. It's the Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact with the show via Twitter at Leach Report. Now, here's Tom. Back with Mike DeCourcy 
at TSN Mike on Twitter, talking college basketballs. We do every Friday. Kentucky's got Tennessee next as they try to find a way to uh, to get a win over a, uh, a quality opponent. They get this one in Rupp Arena, and the uh, the Vols. It kind of an illustration, but a good illustration of how this has been a, such a crazy season. Last Saturday, I watched them just annihilate Kansas, and then they come back and they score eighty on Kansas, and they come back uh, three days later and struggle to score fifty and blow a lead and lose at Ole Miss. So, what do you make of Tennessee? Boy, they are a tough team to read. They really are because of, uh, I think it, it comes down to the fact that. Uh, at the point guard position, I don't think they're, they are particularly dynamic. I don't think they are particularly, uh, emphatic. I, I don't think they get, they don't get great starts to their possessions. Uh, there, there's not that leadership that you get at the position at times. If you're going to have a point guard who isn't a, a, a great penetrator, then you want him to bring a great definition to your offense. And I don't think they get that there. I think they have some gifted young players on the wings. Uh, uh, Victor Bailey and Jaden Springer, those guys, Josiah Jordan James, they all have talent. They were all highly regarded recruits, uh, but I don't think they always get the most out of them. Eve Pons is a great player. I mean, you'd want him on your team every day uh, because of what he does defensively to the opposition. I mean, he, he is a destructive defender. But I think sometimes that they don't really know how to employ him in their offense and it gets gummed up a little bit and although i really like john fulkerson as a player and and again a guy you'd love to have on your team i'm not sure that he's the kind of there's not a low post guy that you can build around so the offense doesn't always work and if you if you make it so that uh, they get open shots they've got guys who can make them as you saw in that in that uh, kansas game when kansas played so poorly and so sloppily but if you guard them hard, as Kentucky has done, I mean, they did it to Tennessee, they did it to excuse me to Missouri, they did it to Alabama. If they if they play if the Wildcats play that kind of defensive game again, they're going to be in the game. And if they play, if the Wildcats have one of their good offensive days, they could have a lead going down the stretch, as opposed to trying to battle possession for possession as they did in the Missouri game without success. Kentucky has some some flaws that uh, you know just at this point kind of they are who they are as the saying is and they they're going to be able to uh, dramatically change those but I do think and we I think we've talked about this before there there is a, a tremendous power to uh, momentum and and confidence and if they could win a game or two uh, starting. Uh, tomorrow night where it's close late and you make plays to win games rather than make plays to lose them you do that once and if you do it twice that you know you could at least get to uh, where you know you got eight maybe nine games left of the regular season where you could at uh, at minimum win more than you lose and, and have a little stretch of success yeah i think they're certainly capable of that tom uh, they, they've they've been playing it with the way the schedule has broken they've been you know, they've been playing at the top of the conference a lot. Uh, there haven't been a lot of South Carolinas on their schedule. It's been Mizzou, it's been Tennessee, it's been Alabama twice. Uh, and in a, you know, in a, in a, in a positive year for the Wildcats, that's probably a good thing because it helps them, it would help them get a one seed or, or contend for a one seed because they'd be playing against the best in their conference and, uh, and they'd be able to pile up some quality wins. But in a year where, 
They need something to get them going. It's been really hard because as they've gotten to their best performances, I mean, Alabama's a, a one or a two seed on most brackets. Mizzou is a three or a four seed on most brackets. And, and they played both of those teams into the final three, four minutes. And, and it, they just, they just don't have enough, uh, bucket getters to get over, uh, the hump against them. But if they were playing against less successful teams and bringing the same effort, uh, they might have had. They might have been able to get some W's. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a good point. It's uh, yeah, the, the uh, it's it's obviously late as far as you know, kind of moot point to discuss at at large opportunities. But so at this point, if you're Kentucky, you just want to find a way to to find that confidence before you get to an SEC tournament to try to make your run there. You're gonna yeah, do it unless reasons, you get some confidence. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why when people were lamenting the absence of the Texas game. Uh, the disappearance of the Texas game and saying that that was kind of their last hope to get an at-large, I was like, first of all, if they win all the rest of their games, they're going to get in. But second of all, they're probably not going to do that. Uh, But they didn't need to have to play Texas on a couple of days rest after the Alabama disappointment. The, The rest over last weekend, I think, was better for them. And I think we saw it reflected in the Missouri effort. It just didn't quite make it to the finish line. Uh, I, I think that they they did not need to have that on top of Alabama, on you know on top of Missouri, on top of Tennessee. They they needed a break uh, mentally, maybe physically, and I think it gives them a better shot in the in the Tennessee game tomorrow. Mike DeCourcy, thank you much. We'll talk next Friday. Thanks, Tom. Mike DeCourcy joining us on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline here on the Leach Report, as he does every Friday. We'll head to a break and then come back to wrap it up. We'll close out with a uh, pick for you in a derby prep this weekend down at Tampa. They're running a a grade three, the Sam F. Davis Stakes uh, prep for the Tampa Bay Derby and obviously the Kentucky Derby after that. There's a horse that's 10 to 1 that uh, I took this week in our Keeneland Select Race of the Week. It's Candyman Rocket. Um, Horse debuted at Churchill Downs with so-so, came back after uh, about uh, six weeks and was sensational at Gulfstream with a big speed figure, but the way he did it was so impressive and did it in a manner that suggests the extra distance won't be a problem at all. So Candyman Rocket, keep an eye on that one tomorrow on the Tam F. Bay, Sam F. Davis Stakes. Have a good weekend. We'll see you Monday. Whenever you miss a show, and be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to leachreport at gmail.com.